Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah, you already know what time it is. It's that official time when we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's a mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really could have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change brains. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 235, ladies and gentlemen, it is the Pancakes and Power Slam show. We are live and live in living color again, funky like I'm going to give you will. As always, every week, I am Chris Featherstone. Of course, follow us at Crave Wrestling and the Facebook page Crave Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, I was I've been excited about this interview. Of course, you know we have interviews from WWE, ROH, TNA, NWA, NXT every week. But I've been really excited about this interview for quite some time now. We talked a couple of months back and got a date set and scheduled. And uh, I just love just talking to legends and just soaking in all the road stories and all, all the things that they have to share from number of years experience. This person has nearly 40 years of experience in the business. So without further ado, I'd like to present to you, introduce to some, but not many, and present to you tonight, the doctor, Tom Pritchard. How are you tonight? Chris, thank you very much for that introduction. I'm doing great tonight. It's a wonderful night in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's it's starting to get a little fall uh, weather for us, but everything is great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here in yeah. Ohio, as you know, and uh, I I wake up at uh, seven in the morning and go to the gym at seven o'clock uh, every morning, just about, and um, and I'm used to about high sixties, uh, low seventies. Uh, I went outside of my house this morning, and it was 51 degrees. I was slapped in the face with cold weather, so it was pretty, pretty nice introduction to the fall. 
Well, let me let me just uh, get one better for you because I get up every morning at three thirty to go to the gym. Oh, uh, yeah, man, I had to do that just for myself. So, uh, and it was about sixty degrees this morning. But uh, yeah, I, I get to six o'clock, but I'm up at three thirty and in the gym by four fifteen every day, except Saturday and Sunday. I take Sundays off. Yeah, I take I take uh, Wednesdays and. Sundays sometimes. I um so yeah, it's usually about five yeah. and six for me. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do that every man, just to make sure I got that time down there, you know, that uh, three thirty in the morning is my, my rising time. But anyway, it's good talking to you, man. Likewise, likewise. And and that's and that's awesome. You know, certain people have you know, there's certain there's certain schedules and I, I can't imagine three thirty. I, I've I used to work in a gym I used to be a personal trainer. I worked at the gym for nearly ten years and and uh, there would be times where I would have colleagues like, hey, let's do a 5.30 workout. I'm like, you must be crazy. I'll do it just because, but 5, 5.30, I'm a night owl. So I'm, I'm usually like two, 3.30, come 3.30, I'm only sleep for about an hour or two. So. <laughs> well, those days are behind me. That's why I can get up early this time. Yeah. I think everybody's body reacts differently at different times. So I've actually found that I dig. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, like I said, you're you're a legend in the business, almost 40 years in the business. And I just want to talk about uh, the time. I remember watching you as a kid in the late 80s uh, in, in, in the Continental Wrestling Association against Dirty White Boy Tony Anthony for the Alabama title. And, uh, uh, well, actually, for the CWF title, it was like vacant or something like that. I know you went against him uh, and other promotions as well. Uh, I really remember you in the USWA when you was uh, with Tojo Yamamoto and Eric Embry. And then you went to Smoky Mountain um, to team uh, with uh, Jig- uh, Juggalo. Well, well, actually, it, was, it was Stan Lane first and then Juggalo. That's right. That's right. Yep. Stan Lane. Yep. Heavenly Bodies. Absolutely. So let's just let's just talk about those moments. The you know back in the day for just a moment. What are just some some takeaways from your time in CWF and USWA and Smoky Mountain that you could give a lot of these uh, new new age wrestling um, talent now that you you put so much so much time in the territory, so much time and just really busting your butt to get to a spot, what advice would you give to someone who just, you know, had a couple years in WWE, went to NXT, got a main roster spot? What what type of advice would you give that person? Well, the first thing I, I need to preface it with is, is the world has changed, obviously, since then, yes. and there's no territories uh, left anymore. So, uh the territories were the only thing we really had to to learn by. We didn't have a performance center and developmental system. It was uh, pretty much uh, you were a cowboy in the Wild West, and you went to different territories and different places to make your name. Mm-hmm. And uh, the southern territories were a lot different than the northeast, obviously. And there were uh, the big territories like, the Carolinas, and then you had your Portland, Oregon, and you had your Alabamas, and uh, um, some of the, the the various smaller southern territories, which uh, 
which Memphis was was a pretty good place to work, and, and so was Continental. Yeah. Uh, but but the difference between then and now, um, it, it's it really is so much better for the guys now in relation to health wise and uh, uh, business wise. But what they're missing is the experience that you got by uh, living in the Wild West and doing the things that we did. Yeah. But of course. Uh, not everything we did was healthy and not everything we did was wise, good, and or legal. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that WWE implementing the wellness program and uh, testing the guys like they do and, and uh, with with impact testing, that that's the biggest thing. Concussions uh, are a huge, huge uh, thing that we've all found out about within the last 10 years. So um, back then, you were pretty much on your own. Uh, if you got hurt, you went to the doctor on your own. You paid for it. Sometimes the promoter paid for it, but most of the time it was on you. So, uh, but we had a lot of fun. I mean, you really were um, pretty much a cowboy. And what I mean by that is you you rode the roads and uh, uh, you you had your own law, had your own rules, had your own code, and and pretty much uh, lived by that. Mm-hmm. And, and these days, they, the guys do have their own code these days, and they do have uh, – it, it's the same thing. It's just different. It's a lot different. You know, they, they don't – I know some of them do, but, but most of the guys don't hang out in the bar and go looking for uh, – we used to say fun time. You might call it trouble. Mm-hmm. But, but most of the guys go back and play video games in the room, which is a lot healthier and a lot uh, – <laughs> Uh, you can't get in as much trouble. But, you know, back then, again, uh, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have phones that had a camera on them that could record stuff and, and, and get us in trouble. You know, it's like, um, thank God, because I sure as hell wouldn't want a lot of things I did recorded and put out there because it was it was that culture and it was that uh, uh, that point in time. So... The, the main the difference is it's a different world. It's, it's a whole uh, uh, different culture, and and I think to the better and the betterment for the athletes that are in it today and and the attitude today, because I, I do believe WWE really cares about the health and well being of uh, of their talent, and that's great. They're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I really appreciate the fact that they are implementing a lot more with the CTE. Um, I'm currently a student right now in psychology, uh, and, you know, I had to write a uh, a paper a couple of quarters ago on CTE. Um, It was actually a personality class. I chose to write about Chris Benoit and CTE and uh, and how that affects – it's a theory called the Big Five, uh, different personalities – and yeah, it was it, it was really really interesting because the more I just really w- was digging and digging into CTE, watch the movie Concussion, uh, watch other documentaries, did a lot of research, and yeah, it's definitely something you don't want to mess around with for sure. And I'm definitely happy that that medical element has been implemented in the WWE. On the flip side, though, and I and I've been a fan since the early '80s, and one thing I I do notice is the passion isn't there as much as it used to be. 
Uh, and what I mean by that is that just characters really emulating, uh, jumping out of the screen, it just seems so manufactured. Why do you think that's the case? And, and you know, a lot of the, the ratings show, you know, just dwindling down more and more and more. And why is it that the characters doesn't emulate and reach out to the fans, the audience watching on TV to really capture them as much as it used to in the 80s, in the 90s? Well, uh, I, I, I like to use a quote that I think is attributed most to Kid Rock. It, it says, you know, if it looks good, you'll see it. Good, you'll hear it. If it's marketed right, you'll buy it. But if it's real, you will feel it. And the problem or the issue, let me just say this, the issue these days is um, you have writers writing, and everybody has come into the, uh, I think, into the performance center, into the business, I think, in the years, uh, in, in, in the 2000s, I guess, uh, under the premise that this was all a work. Yeah. Um, it's always been a work. It's always been entertainment. It's always been showbiz. It always has. But there was a moment in time uh, and in history when there was Kate Fave and, and the guys, the boys protected the business, and uh, there was an element of doubt. Mm-hmm. Yes, you might have thought it was a work, but then you'd see that one match, that one guy, you say, no, that guy's for real. Exactly. Um, you know, Mark Lewin's for real. Uh, Terry Funk is real. That's because... You weren't playing a character. You were that character. And some guys took it too far. Some guys got lost in the character and lost in that persona. I hate the word character, but persona. But the reality is there was that element of truth, that element of reality that that Bruiser Brody was Bruiser Brody with the volume turned up because Frank Goodish, was actually a calm and, and mild-mannered great guy. Mm-hmm. But when he went into Bruiser Brody mode, there was no stopping it. Terry Funk the same way. When Terry Funk uh, would become that wild-eyed cowboy, it, it, it took him hours to come down from that. Yeah. And that's just because you felt it. Johnny Valentine, another guy from, from the 60s and 70s, is, a, is somebody I always point to, and, and it's really not fair because there's not a lot of tape or film to watch to compare him and, and to watch him work. Mm-hmm. He worked methodical, but he was believable. And he could feel the pain when he was in the ring and made everybody else feel it because it was real. When you stepped in the ring back then, you, you stepped in with the premise of, but work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the guys, I don't know if they've heard that, uh, much. I'm sure they have. I mean, in the performance center, they have some really great coaches and some really good things going on there, but, but you're coming, you're coming into this these days under the premise of it's just a TV show. It's, well, it's not just a TV show, but it's a TV show. It's an action adventure, and it's uh, uh, you're performing. Mm-hmm. Back then, yes, you were performing, but your job was to make everyone believe yeah. as much as you could. This is what we're doing, and and it was again. You could look at it, and my dad always used to say. How can you hit somebody five times in the face and there's not a mark on the guy? That's why guys like Wahoo McDaniel and Johnny Valentine 
would, would hit you in safe places across the chest or across the back, and you'd see the welts, you'd see the marks, and, and it would be believable. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't punch you with a fist in the, in the jaw or in the face because they should break your jaw and they should break your eye, eye socket. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these days, with people being able to see UFC, MMA, and various fights, they know what a real fight looks like. So um, I, I think going back to, to why the guys seem a little more manufactured today is because you have Hollywood writers who aren't necessarily wrestling fans, and I don't know that uh, it's, it's Hunter as much as it is Vince, obviously, but I believe Hunter is an old-school guy, and I believe he wants to go back to the, the characters who have a bit of realism to them. I think Izzo has some realism to them. I think... Uh, uh, Naomi had realism to her because she actually was a, a, a what is it, Orlando jazz dancer. She and they're implementing these bits of uh, uh, elements to their real lives and their personas or characters these days. And some people, but but other guys are, are a little more um, looking for a character and trying to find something to play or trying to 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 act. Yeah, but I don't think you can. I, I think when you have to react, not act, and uh, that's hard for somebody to do. It's hard for a lot of people to do. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point because even nowadays, it's still it's still a tried and true method. I mean, characters or or personas, still what makes it, it's still what spins the wheel of professional wrestling. I mean, you know, you can have as many fans to dispute that as much as you want, but you know, some of the most over people are Enzo and Kaz. You know, some New York, New Jersey guys, you know, who, who say, how you doing? And, you know, you have Bailey, you know, who gives right. people air high fives every time she comes to the ring and she has blow up tubes. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, and that's that's where the persona is. You know, she's a huggable. She looks huggable. That's the reason why she's over so much, because you could tell that she it just she really seems like someone who would be at a Walmart and would hug you. I mean, that's what she seems like. She seems like she's living out, you know, uh, uh, who she is, you know, elevated. And I, I totally agree with that. So let's talk about some, some names that uh, you, you trained and managed you. you you've, you've been associated with many, many names, uh, uh, Kurt Angle, Dolph Ziggler, <clears throat> Jim Cornette, uh, The Rock. Um, how was it training uh, people like Kurt Angle and The Rock, uh, and you know, what can you say about their success now? Um, the, the main thing uh, with let's, let's just start with The Rock. Uh, he grew up in in a wrestling family, obviously, and he he had been wrestling a little bit uh, prior to coming to Stanford, and then. They, we started the developmental program in 1996, August of 1996, right after Mark Henry uh, competed in the Olympics in Atlanta. And it was Mark Henry and a, a bodybuilder named Akamal Brick and Dwayne Johnson. And they came in August and uh, they wanted to get rock ready for uh, Survivor Series in November. So uh, we worked out in the ring every day and you could see um, that rock obviously was, was the most talented out of the three, but nobody could tell that he was he was going to be as big of a megastar that he became. But you knew he had something, and he was always 
a very he, he was a confident guy, but a great guy. He 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 could he could have a conversation with you and I right now uh, because he knows how to relate. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's he's a mega star. Everybody, uh, the highest paying actor, I guess. Um, on the planet this year, I guess is what I heard, or whatever it is, yeah. man. But he, but he still has that ability to uh, uh, to talk to people. He's not uh, living in, in a stratosphere, of breathing. He's breathing rarefied air, no doubt. But he can still sit down and uh, and be human. Yeah. And that's hard to find with a lot of people. Um, and Steve Austin was the same way, by the way. But Kurt Angle. Here's a guy who won me the the gold medal with a broken neck. Um, the first time I walked up with Kurt, I, I said to him, "I have nothing to prove to you, so please, if I go any, if I go behind you, just let me go. Just let me do whatever I want, please. I'm going to grab your arm. Just work with me." And he locked up so easy. He got it. Kurt understood from uh, from the very first time. And um, again, he's another guy who can relate, and you can sit and talk to him. Uh, and and has it always had it? I thought mm-hmm. so. Um, the, the talent was always there, and I think that's with with everybody. Uh, you have to have that confidence, and you have to have the ability to go with it. And both of those guys were great to be around. They were a pleasure to be around, um, and it was great to see their success yeah. because no matter what they did, they were successful. And uh, Kurt, especially. Um, you have to think about what a lot of people don't understand who've never been through um, trials and tribulations or, or, or trained so hard to accomplish uh, what Kurt or, or Dwayne Johnson have accomplished. You know, Kurt, again, winning the gold medal uh, with a broken neck. Now, uh, you know, I lived in the 80s. I got through the 80s. I made it. It's kind of like going through uh, a fiery inferno and, and making your way on the outside. You know, you still have scars. You're a little charred and burned, but but you're alive. Mm-hmm. You know, Kurt almost didn't make it out alive. A lot of guys didn't make it out alive. And uh, for him to survive what he went through, survive uh, uh, going through what he needed to go through to, to get in the ring every night uh, is a testament to what, what fortitude and what what uh, what it meant to him to be in this business. Yeah. In other words, a guy who was a great amateur wrestler, where you really have to beat your opponent. This guy can tie you up, man. And this guy had the ability, but he never threw it on you. He never uh, pushed it on you. But but you knew, and he had that confidence. Yeah. If anybody wanted to try him, you you knew that he didn't mind trying or going back. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just think that. Uh, that's some of those pitfalls that we all go through. And uh, Kurt Angle, what I was getting at is Kurt has, has he's earned his right to uh, show you the scars on his soul because he's earned every one of them, man. He's come through alive. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a great admiration for Kurt for for, get, for beating his demons, if you will. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Do you think we'll see him back in the WWE? Uh, I, I always never say never because he's he's uh, if if not competing, I certainly see him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's that's a given. It would have to be a given. You, they can't stay mad at everybody forever, except me, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and here here's another question: um, Who came up with the 
uh, Rocky Maivia deal. Um, that that didn't work out too well. Of course, The Rock was uh, a lot more uh, accepted, and that's what really just turned the dial uh, on his career. Um, but you know, Rocky Maivia didn't go over too well. Uh, who came up with that idea? Well, um, I believe it was Jr. because uh, I remember Jr. came over to the studio when we were training to give Rocky's new name, and uh, it was, I, I think we were standing in the lobby or outside on the steps, wherever it was, and talking, and uh, he didn't want to be Rocky Maivia, he didn't want, he wanted to be Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm. but uh, he accepted it, and if you remember when he debuted, he had that Chia Pet, Chia Pet haircut, oh, yeah. and that that smile. I mean, it's a million dollar smile, but he was a baby face and he was at, uh, he was being shoved down the people's throats and that was before the Attitude Era. Uh, and people can tell when you're they're being force-fed something that they don't want to be force-fed and and I'm sure you know the story with, with the people saying die, Rocky die, and just mm-hmm. booing him out of the building. But the, the thing is, it, he was such he was such a great athlete. He was. He looked great. He had all this potential, and he had charisma. Um, just if you let him be him, and they did, uh, eventually it 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 proved that uh, that's that's another organic, real persona. That was Dwayne. Yeah. He was having fun, and that's how he could be in practice too. He a little bit of a smart aleck, but. But a fun, smart aleck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and if you just let him go and you let him be him, uh, that was great. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to make somebody be something they're not, instead of trying to have a garbage man or a, uh, a plumber or a hockey guy coming in and trying to be a wrestler, I mean, that was what was going on back then. It was just, uh, <laughs> it was a different time, a different place. But when you started letting guys go, and started letting guys be who they are, I mean, Shawn Michaels is the heartbreak kid, no matter how you how you look at it. And and, and Austin was, was stone cold, no matter how you look at it. Vince is Vince, Shane was Shane, Stephanie's still Stephanie. Yeah. But when when you let The Rock be The Rock and, and let all these things just kind of happen, uh, you can tell when, when he was cutting a promo, he was feeling it. That was real. That wasn't a scripted uh, promo for him. He was doing his own stuff, and he was feeling it. And and that's what this is. This is the greatest improv business in the world. Professional wrestling is supposed to be improvisational. Not where you script your matches. Not where you script your promos. You have outlines. You have notes. Maybe you have points, bullet points you want to hit, but my opinion, just my opinion, is you go out and you create. And that was where we, we really learned how to work is by having a, a beginning maybe, but you definitely had a finish. And sometimes the finish got messed up and you had to had to switch the finish. I mean, that was the most exciting part about it, going out and just creating something. And uh, if they're not buying it, well, you have to know, learn how to go uh, a different direction. Yeah, And that's what guys like, Dwayne did, and that's what guys like Kirk did, and and that's and Mark Henry did. Um, my gosh, there's there's a lot of guys that came along like that because you have to learn learn by feeling. You have to. Yeah. And the, the fundamentals never get old in this business. You, you've got to to 
keep them sharp. And that's the only way you can do it is by going out and uh, listening to the crowd, uh, feeling it, see what they're buying, and uh, know how to switch gears if you need to. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Absolutely well said. I, I, I totally agree with it. And I'm a, like I said, I mean, as a, I, I've been a journalist for a while now, but I'm still a fan. And I, like I said, I grew up in the '80s watching wrestling, and that's what you're saying right now is what I lived as far as just the characters living it out. I mean, no matter where on the card it was, I mean, the lower part of the card, the main event, it didn't matter who it was. You know, if it was Manny Fernandez or Dick Murdoch, you know, it it doesn't matter who it was. It was a it was a gimmick. It was it was a character. It was a persona that they felt it because they knew that you know the the purse would would fatten if you know if they got more cheers. Or more but, but let me but let me just say this too real quick about that because when when you mention a guy like Murdoch or you mentioned a guy like Manny Fernandez, that's how they were in the dressing room. That's how they were on the road. That's how they were every day. But because we lived it every day. This yeah. is what we did every single day. We weren't in a performance center. Uh, we weren't in a sterile environment, and that's not bad because that's what the the, the business is today. And it's great that those guys have that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 exceptional. It's just they don't have the same elements. They don't have the same vibe. They don't have the same environment that those guys did. Dick Murdoch was raised in a wrestling family too, so it was crazy. Yeah. You know, around dressing rooms, around these little sportatoriums and little hole in the wall arenas, you get an education. And uh, those, it wasn't just because they had to find the gimmick. It's because that's their gimmick, mm-hmm. and that's who they were. And and they would just go out and be themselves and have fun and get to do these crazy things and and do it and get paid for it and and then get in the car and drink beer or or, or read scripture on the way home. You know, hell, who knows? Uh, whatever they we did on the way home, it was always an adventure. It was it was like. Uh, Again, the Wild West, you, you got on your horse and rode to the next town. Yeah. I, you know, and, and again, that's a good point. I still think that a lot of these wrestlers, and I, again, I watch wrestling every single week. I watch WWE, NXT, TNA, New Japan. I, I, I'm still an avid wrestling fan. Um, it's just that I sometimes I just wish that a lot of – a lot of modern day wrestlers just grab some tapes. I really do. I mean, I really wish they just grab some tapes and just kind of, you know, stand in front of a mirror, you know, cut promos in front of a mirror and just kind of live it out. That's that's what well, I wish. I, I, I do believe they're doing that in, in the performance center. And I know Gene Ambrose uh, was a student of the game as well. He, yeah. he really, really was. He still is. I'm sure he is. Uh, Bray Wyatt's a student of the game. Um, as, as much as Roman Reigns gets uh, all, all the heat from the people, he is a student of the game. Um, so I, I've got to say, I know they're they are teaching that at the performance center to stand in front of a. They have a uh, video camera that you can stand and kind of follow any time that you yeah. feel it and then watch it right back. And, and and they have the greatest coaches in the world down there to give. To, anyway, if you can't learn in today's environment, in the, in the performance center, it's still, there's still no uh, substitute for experience in, in being in front of a live crowd. But but I agree. I know what you're saying is get tapes of some of these old guys. Well, they have all those tapes down there. They have anybody they want. They can look it up. They've got it at their fingertips. Yeah. Yeah, so there's no excuse 
um, except here's here's one thing I, I do have to say. The the issue that I have sometimes with people from other sports or other uh, uh, forms of entertainment who come to, in, let's just say WWE, thinking, hey, I can make a lot of money at this, um, I'll be great. They don't understand what it really takes. They don't want it. They don't understand. It's it's not just going out there and and flip and flop and fly. You have to know the basics, the fundamentals. You have to learn how to bump. You have to get a feel for what it's like to be in the ring. You have to know how to walk in the ring, how to lock up, how to do the basic, simple basics that no one really thinks about until they have to think about it and then they realize, oh my gosh, it's not as easy as I thought. When you have a football player come in, so not everybody, and then some great football players come in and make make a really, really great uh, great spot, great talent, Uh, but a lot of uh, some football players that I've dealt with with, have come in uh, thinking they're going to breeze right through it and be in the main event next week and don't want to put in the effort, the work, or the time. And um, that's that's what I, I've come across as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some of those people in, at the performance center don't have a clue about professional wrestling, uh, which is the foundation of WWE, whether they want to say so or not. It's still done in a ring. And I actually watched uh, some of Raw last night with Roman Reigns and uh, Rusev, and they actually did a hammer lock. So, I mean, they are doing some wrestling, and they are getting a little more uh, working time in there. So you you do have to know what you're doing before you can get in there and to be good at it. If you don't want to put the work in and you don't want to learn uh, the fundamentals, then you're you're not going to have a foundation to build on, and you're going to crash and burn real quick. So, I mean, they they have everything at their fingertips at the performance centers where I'm getting at. There is no excuse uh, because once they, they, they do what they do with you down there, then they will put you on the road if the coaches uh, feel you're ready. They will give you a chance, and then it's up to you. Yeah, absolutely. A couple yeah. things real quick uh, before before I uh, let you go here. Um, Sonny, uh, your for, former manager, um, getting into some legal stuff, uh, been kind of off and on for the past uh, few years. Um, do you still keep in contact with her? How's she doing? And, you know, just uh, what kind of made the turn for the worse for her? Well, I, I last saw Sunny in August in Charlotte at FanFest. Uh, we did uh, a Jim Cornette podcast together, and she looked great. Uh, she looked like she was had, had her back together and was doing fine. Uh, I heard she was mad at me because I I'd said uh, something about I I hope she gets help and I hope that she uh, um, takes care of herself and she she misinterpreted it as I was talking bad about her when no I wasn't talking bad about her I was sincerely saying I hope she gets the help she needs mm-hmm. um, you know she she looked there's no doubt she was a bona fide superstar diva when she came to WWE, young, cute girl. Um, and like a lot of young, cute girls, uh, you get a lot of attention, and that pretty much, you, you know that she feels that'll never end, and she's the number one diva, and, and that's great, I understand that, that, that happens. Uh, but 
there was a time, again, during the 80s and 90s and, yes, even even 2000, whatever, that the drugs were still a big, big part. Yeah. And, uh, and when you get in that world, um, the best, uh, best analogy I can use is, is like being at sea, in my case, for over 30 years, and then coming back to, to land and walking on, on dry land and saying everything's okay. Well, no, it's not. You've, you've been on the sea for 30 years, and you get those nice patches of water smooth, and then you get the waves, and you get the storms, and all of a sudden, you know, you get lost for a while, and then you come back. But, but when you finally dock your ship and you start walking on dry land, it takes a while to get your feet on you. And I think that's what Sonny's problem was as well, yeah. or is, I don't know. You know, she had been out there for so long, and all of a sudden, you know, just somebody says, uh, just or just say no. Well, yeah, just tell a medic person, just cheer up. Uh, it doesn't work like that. And I think she got lost, and uh, they brought her back, and uh, uh, she got help, and then all of a sudden you keep going out. The, the relapse is part of uh, recovery. Mm-hmm. I do know that much. And uh, it, it, it's going to happen until it stops happening. And, and, and what I mean by that is you either stop relapsing and you go to meetings and you have a sponsor mm-hmm. and you take care of yourself. Or you keep doing what you're doing and you wind up dead. Uh, I don't know what happened this time. I really don't. Maybe she missed her probation is what I heard or read. And, and I get that. See, that's part of her recovery. She needs to make sure uh, that she she hits what she needs to hit. She goes where she needs to go. Otherwise, she's going to keep doing what she's doing. Yeah. And that's that's the definition of insanity: doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I wish her nothing but the best. But she has to want. And, and that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. It's a hard thing to want for yourself, and especially when you, you're self-loathing and you and you don't always like yourself. I mean, she may come across as pretty confident, but what I've found with a lot of people like that is there's there's some deep underlying issues. I know because I'm one, man. I, I do. It's, it's you don't always like yourself, and, and the best way to get away from yourself is to is to medicate and uh, just lose it. Yeah. So I don't I don't know I don't know where she's at on that front. She looked great in Charlotte. Um, said she'd been sober for a while. That's great. So I don't know if it was just the fact that she missed her probation meeting. Um, either way, man. Bottom line is this: I hope when she I hope she gets out of jail. I hope she she takes her life seriously enough to where she gets help mm-hmm. and she, you can't do it on your own you cannot beat addiction on your own it doesn't work mm-hmm. and a lot of people have tried it doesn't work yeah absolutely they definitely need yeah. some, uh, some some support um and i know that as a psychologist you need a you need a support group. You need a core group. You need you know, those things right. really, really help more than people more people could even fathom. All right, fi- finally, uh, let's let's talk about our buddy Rico Constantino, a friend of both of ours. Um, you know, you, you handled him. Uh, you, you dealt with him a lot uh, about a dozen years ago or so. Actually, about well, fifteen years ago. Um, 
and yeah, he's he's uh, uh, almost 55 and a couple years younger than you are, and having some declining um, health issues. And uh, GoFundMe uh, campaign was started actually started uh, um, last week, end of last week, I believe it was, uh, and uh, it's raising some great stuff. Chris Jericho <clears throat> donated uh, uh, three thousand dollars to it, and. Uh, it's just really showing, you know, the, the unity of the professional wrestling community and wrestlers. Um, just want to talk about Rico uh, for a minute and just share your thoughts about uh, your experience working with Rico. Well, as you know, he was probably one of the nicest, if nicer, if not nicest guys uh, in the business yeah. and understood uh, what his role was. And he was a pretty tough guy. Mm-hmm a real tough guy um, and, and accepted his role uh, in the business and, and enjoyed every bit of it. But I, that, that was, and that was the deal because he was uh, Cena's partner, I believe, in, yep. in uh, OVW mm-hmm. and uh, with, with Kenny Boland as a tag team, I think. I think it was Kenny Boland was managing yeah, and and would te- would help Cena, uh, but he was actually the guy who who helped Cena in in OVW I think the most. Um, whether John knew it or not at the time, but Rico took a lot of time out to uh, help John along the way in the ring, as well as uh, anybody else that came or, came across him. He was an older guy in OVW at the time, so he had to have been uh, my God, I think it was thirty seven. 37, yeah, almost 40 yeah. back then. But he looked great. He always looked younger, uh, was always in shape. Uh, as far as I know, didn't do drugs, didn't drink. So, um, but then I, the last I'd heard about Rico was he went to Vegas and was a security uh, a security guard or bodyguard. Yeah, he was the security, taxi cab security, and uh, uh, did some law enforcement work, yeah. Right, right. So, uh, but he was always a gentleman and always uh, a first-class guy. Uh, when they made him the hairdresser with uh, Billy and Chuck, I mean, he embraced it. He was that—that uh, uh, that was a, uh, an example of someone who took a gimmick that was given to him and made it his own, made it him, made it real, made it. Uh, made you feel it when he when he went out there and did it. And that's that's a testament to his passion and love for the business. So um and I hope it does get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as we get older man, we, we all uh we all say it, you know, if I would have lived this known I was gonna live this long we would have taken better care of ourselves. But at the same time we did what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And and back then there was no concussion test. There was no uh uh, ringside physician, you just you had to take care of yourself, and a lot of times it was just taking care of yourself meant getting to the next town and uh, getting in the ring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tom, it's been a pleasure. Really, really appreciate it. You got any uh, dates coming up, or what, what do you do? Uh, what do you do nowadays? Uh, I know that you were a, uh, a trainer of WWE for a while. Uh, how that how that come about? 
Well, uh, you know, that was, uh, we started, like I said, in 1996. That was the first developmental system uh, with Rock, Mark Henry, Knockham, Albrecht. And then uh, I was, uh, had a temporary um, suspension of service in uh, 2004 and came back in 2007. And then I got uh, uh I got released again in 2012, man. But uh, in the meantime, I'm still doing camps. In fact, I have a camp October 8th coming up in Kansas City uh, for Chris Gall. It's um, oh, Metro Metro City Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's October 8th. I'll, I'll be doing a podcast next week on Wednesday for Metro Pro Wrestling. That's what it is, Metro Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that's Kansas City, October 8th. Then I have, let's see, I have some coming up. Um, IWF in New Jersey for uh, Kevin Knight's group on uh, October 22nd. That's a Saturday as well. Then I'm in Myrtle Beach on uh, October 29th for Charlie Hartman. Uh, Green Tree Wrestling, uh, doing a golf tournament and uh, something else. I just have Myrtle Beach right down. I'm not sure the exact event. But the other thing, real quick, Chris, I've got uh, uh, doing these camps on the weekends, which is really, really great getting to see some of the young talent out there. Uh, I'm going overseas again uh, next year. I went this, this past summer for Andy Baker. Uh, the RWA and Run Corn England, but next year I'm going on April 29th, 30th, um, on February 18th, 19th. I'm in uh, Odessa, Texas, for Fred Urban's Old School Wrestling, and then uh, March 25th and 26th, I'm in San Antonio, Texas, for Rudy Gonzalez. So, I mean, I've got dates till the end of the year, nice. uh, still coming up, but I also have some dates for next year, man, and it's uh. That's pretty much what I'm doing. And I get to see some of the young talent out there and uh, interact with them and, and check it out. I still love the business, too. It's, still, uh, uh, it's not like it was, but I still love it. Always will. Awesome. Where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, at Dr. Tom Pritchard. And I'm also on Facebook at uh, Tom Pritchard, I guess. And that's it. Awesome. And that's P-R-I-C-H-A-R-D. There's no T in Pritchard. That is correct. You have no idea how many people misspell that, but that's okay to you. Thanks a lot, Tom. I really appreciate you taking time. You take your Thanks time. Thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate you. Awesome. Have a good night, man. You too. Bye-bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. Our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear We taking this year You know who we are But you don't know why we here So this is where the big boys play These big boys play Like who defies the living God Get out the big boys way Outsiders with the swoop in We live as kings You see in us But our third man waits in the wings And when the time is right We shock him with the proper attack I go for dolo but ain't solo Cut the promo in black Hollywood Hendrix Prizzle pinning them to the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome. Never lost faith. You in all space. You can all skate. Suffer but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday Raven. Anticipating. I was frostbit. Now I am Glacier. Mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals. Using 
thanking God for my defense in Alabama. We jamming. That's beautiful. Bobby eating. Me and Priest, we the dangerous alliance. Nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do-rag before we do battle. You're talking shit. You all what you speak. This too sweet. Till the is took back. We repping that work pack. The foundation shaking. No mistaking. Yeah, we shook that. Trusting God we trust. Pushing forward. Never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness. Some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap. He turning the power on. On the razor's edge. Leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful. The owners in our group, too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move, too. You crew. I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming. Steiner Brothers, we love it. Demand the win. Establish it. This the clash to the champion. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. And once again, we'd like to thank Dr. Tom Pritchard for being a wonderful, wonderful guest on the show. Uh, as you've noticed the past uh, couple months, uh, interviews usually last between like 20 and 30 minutes. Um, we usually have a really, really tight schedule. But, you know, you know, it's one of those things that when you get a legend on the show that just has so many words of wisdom in the wrestling business, the only thing you can do is drink it in, man. So that's exactly what we did tonight with Dr. Tom Pritchard. And once again, just thank you so much uh, for uh, the wonderful, wonderful uh, wrestling lesson, wrestling wisdom uh, that you uh, gave us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, we, we've got uh, some time left. Uh, we're going to continue to to have some fun and 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 uh and and just do and do typical pancakes and power slam style just have a lot of fun tonight ladies and gentlemen here's the thing so monday night was the inaugural debate and it was a it was a lot of a lot of fun it was a very very interesting I really enjoyed myself uh, watching it, um, but it was it, it was it was I called it on Facebook sadly entertaining, and that's basically what what it was. Uh, that's basically the way that I can describe it. It was it was really sadly entertaining. That's that's that's, that's how I explain it, and that's basically the the the, the the best way I is the best way I can describe it. Uh, unfortunately, it was just absolutely a train wreck. Other than that, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the the, the special guest host, uh, the guest co-host for this evening, uh, as we do every week, we have a special guest co-host tonight. I'm going to bring in a good dear friend of mine, also uh, one of the hosts of the Off the Ropes podcast. None other, and you know, here's the thing. Before I bring him on the show, you know, I, I have really awesome guest co-hosts every every year, every every week. Uh, but the, you know, there's some people uh, that don't really, you know, it's, it's, it's certain people that I know uh, that that share similar worldviews that I can have a really 
good conversation with, a good, really enriching, fulfilling conversation with, um, and a really sharpening conversation with. And I know this person, you know, this person I'm about to bring on my show tonight. Uh, we, we we talk politics. We share a lot of the same worldviews when it comes to politics, and uh, more importantly than that, we share uh, worldview when it comes to uh, even greater than politics and greater than anything uh, from a terrestrial standpoint as far as our faith. Uh, so yeah, the awesome conversations beyond wrestling. And so we're going to spend some time talking about some politics. Uh, without further ado, bringing on the special guest co-host for tonight. I'm off the ropes, Todd Fisher. How are you tonight, sir? I'm Todd. in Base. You're doing how? Can't we can't? You're on live, man. Are you there? I think I heard a little bit of something. We'll get it together, but. Uh, yeah, so basically, the, like I said, the, the very first uh, debate between uh, Clinton and uh, Trump, and, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I've made it very clear that um, I am not a proponent of either one. Uh, and here's the thing, this is this is coming from a a devout Christian worldview standpoint. And because of that, uh, it's not working. Um, That's the thing. And and Todd's bringing my coin, just uh, send me a message. But the thing is this. Um, When I'm voting for someone to represent the country that I live in. Uh, it has to be someone, and this is, I'm being very, very transparent. I've, uh, I've not shared as many, I haven't shared my political views as strongly on the show within almost four and a half years. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very appropriate uh, off the heels of, uh, of the first, um, uh, the first uh, debate. Uh, and we have a lot to talk about today, uh, too, just recapping, of course, Class of Champions, Raw, SmackDown, uh, and also for the week, uh, we're going to, we, we've, we've compiled a list of five, um, the five most patriotic gimmicks in WWE history uh, in honor of the uh, presidential debate. But, um, and here's the thing, there's, like I said, there's not a lot of... Um, People that I understand, you know, there, there, there's there's politics. So with politics, a lot of times it comes with, I'm going to let you, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear, and I'm not going to follow through. There's, there's statistically, traditionally, I'm not going to follow through on but a small fraction of what I promise to you. And that's usually how it goes. I, I'll, I'll follow. I'll follow through within four years. I'll be, before four years within the within the caucus, within the primary, within the debates. I'll promise. I'll promise the world to you, and I'll say I'm for this. I'm against this, and you want this, and you got it. 
And then, unfortunately, <laughs> within the four years, you're like, well, what about, but what about, what, but what about, and that's usually how it goes with politics. As a Christian, the foundation of my decision-making is on God's word. It's based on my devotion to Jesus. And, you know, that's, that's it. I am, I, I, without any shame, that is the foundation of my decision-making. So when it comes to representing the president of the United States, the person who I want to be the president of the United States, that is not going to change. There's not a Christian Chris and a somebody else Chris. It's, it's just, (laughs) it bleeds through every single thing that I do. Of course, you know, you know, it's the, the old adage, I'm not perfect. Of course, you know, of, of course we're going to do that. Of course we're going to say that. Of course that's true. But at the same time, that has nothing to do with my <laughs> objective decision-making process with everything that I do when I wake up, when I go to sleep. So the presidential debates, the presidential process is no different than any other thing. So that's basically how it goes. So, again, co-host for tonight, Off the Ropes, Todd Fisher. What are your thoughts, man? Am I coming through clear this time? Yes. Nice. Thank you for the take, too. Thank you for the warm welcome. Uh, Although, listening to that intro, I feel like I have a whole lot to live up to. Man. (laughs) (laughs) We do get into some crazy deep conversations at work, don't we? We 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 do indeed, man. And uh, you know, it's like I was saying, man. You know, just the, the basis of my decision making, and uh, you know, you've uh, you, you've expressed who you're leaning toward uh, forcefully uh, this term. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts about the, the the entire debate process and just what we're being handed uh, <laughs> this uh, go around when it comes to the election process? Well, personally and honestly, you know, I, I make no bones about it. I I will end up uh, voting Trump this time around simply because I, I feel so strongly against uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, and as you know, that is not my first choice. It's not my second. It, I don't think he's even, he was in, even in my top ten uh, of of choices when we started the, the whole process. Um, but I, I feel the preponderance of evidence that shows Hillary Clinton as a worse for human being um, is is out there, and I really feel, and I, and I hate this. I hate that I'm not voting my conscience. I know I should vote my conscience. I know you know you and I have talked about that voting your conscience and voting uh, the way you feel instead of you know against someone or, or something along those lines. But I feel like the the damage that Donald Trump could do as president. Could be limited. It could be limited far more than the damage that Hillary Clinton would do as president. So mm. I feel we have to, you know, it's it's kind of the uh, the Dutch boy with his finger in the dike, you know, trying to hold that water back just a little bit longer, so I can get someone, you know, so hopefully we can get someone that is going to take that world view, or at least take our world view into into uh, uh, shoot into thought and, and, and consideration. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Hillary Clinton does not respect our worldview. She says she does when it's convenient and politically expedient for her. Right. But, you know, then the next the next breath 
know, when she's talking to another group, it's it's something completely different. Right. Because she just changes to whatever group she's in front of. She changes her accent. She changes, you know, her hot <laughs> sauce in her purse. I mean, that moment yeah. alone should have had her thrown out. But, yeah. hey, whatever. You know, I, I would have – I'm a Ted Cruz guy, and I still wish Ted Cruz was, was our candidate. I mean, I, I think that's that's a guy I could wholeheartedly vote for, vote my mm-hmm. conscience, and feel clean about, about voting. Right now, I, I feel dirty. And yeah. then as far as the debate goes, I have so many friends on Twitter and on Facebook that are diehard Trump fans. I don't get it. And they're talking about how Trump just killed that debate. Like, you're being – and this became my, my phrase of the day. You're being intellectually dishonest. Yeah. I know you want your candidate to win. I know you want your candidate – you're trying to make yourself feel good. But she owned him. But oh, I yeah. don't – in the long run – in the long run, though, do you think – you and I talked about it briefly, and then we said that's when we decided, hey, why don't you come on the show? We'll talk about it. Do you honestly think that last night her owning Trump in that debate is going to change much? I do. Uh, just just because of this, and, and of course you know very well I am totally anti. There, there's, not a, there's not a fraction of my bone that will consider voting for Hillary Clinton. Um, mm-hmm. it, there, there's nothing, zero, <laughs> nothing that will make yeah. me even consider uh, voting for Hillary Clinton. Um, but I am in the boat of undecideds. I mean, technically, I am an undecided voter. I, I don't plan on voting for either. Um, but I am considered an undecided, and that's what this debate's for. You and I both agreed that. You have your diehard Clintons. You have your diehard Trumps. They're watching the debate to watch a verbal sparring match. They're watching mm. the debate for the entertainment. So that's, I mean, that basic, that's a wash. The diehard Trumps, the diehard Clintons, it's a wash. You're not going to sway Clinton voters to Trump. You're not going to sway Trump voters to Clinton. That's just not going to happen. This debate nope. is for the undecideds. And that's where the focus group has been in. I'm a big proponent of focus groups. I've been in many focus groups. I know that they're not 100% accurate, but as a PR major, I do understand the importance of focus groups of really having an an imprint and a company or an organization or brand's decision-making. And so Mm -hmm. with the undecideds that are the target for this debate, when you see – Donald, <laughs> when, when you see Donald Trump on the podium, you have an almost a 70-year-old man that is acting like a schoolyard bully that does not get his way and is, you know, as crooked <laughs> as, as Hillary is, uh, according to Donald Trump calling her crooked Hillary, which isn't very, uh, isn't very inaccurate. Um, and... and even with that, even with that, even with the uh, the fallacies of uh, Donald Trump, with the fallacies of, of uh, Hillary Clinton, people are kind of entering the debates with a clean slate, so to speak. Even knowing mm-hmm. the past histories of both Trump and Clinton, they both have dirt. But at the same time, I think the undecideds are like, we're almost at the 11th hour. We have five more weeks left. Put somebody's name on that ballot, and who is it going to be? And I, they're they're kind of approaching 
the podium. They're, they're approaching the debates in a clean slate, and they see Trump getting owned by Hillary Clinton. I mean, it was it was disastrous how that debate was. Sixty eight percent of people agreed with with our with both of our uh, our commentary on the fact that uh, Trump didn't stand a chance. And and that overwhelming percentage that, that believe that uh, Hillary Clinton won sixty eight percent. I mean, it's that's that's that says something, and that says something to the undecided voters. And if Trump continues this, and knowing Trump, he's not apologetic, so he'll double down on the on the bad temper, and it'll just make it much worse. Well, and, and we discussed, we talked about this earlier, um, but I don't think it's going to come down to the undecided voters. You know, as much as they're important right now in polls, I think it, I truly think it's going to come down to the people like me, who aren't really true Trump fans, but we mm-hmm. are vehemently anti-Hillary. Mm-hmm. Because I think people that are, are anti-Hillary are far more passionate about their anti-Hillary than the people that are anti-Trump. That are going that, that don't really care. <sighs> I mean, I just don't see them being as motivated to get out and vote because yeah. as base as statistically speaking, Republicans tend to vote on a regular basis more often than Democrats. They're not excited about their candidate. Naturally, they're not gonna come out and vote. That's why Obama made that big push saying how you know, talking to the uh the Black Caucus saying, I will mm-hmm. find it as a personal offense to my legacy if you don't vote mm-hmm. for Hillary. He's trying desperately to, to ramp up the black vote that he got for her, but it's just not happening. Because they just, you know, in my opinion, and, and you're, you would be more of the expert in this, Hillary just comes off as just another uh, white politician promising things to the black community that probably has no intention of coming through on it. And I, that's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really the, the voice of the, the, the black culture as a, as a member of that said black culture. That's what the, that's what the majority vo- voice is saying. But here's the thing though, you have, you know, I've talked about this as well. You have the Obama adherence that, or basically, you know, every single word that he says is gospel. So even if they don't like Hillary, because Obama has an over 50% uh, approval rate at the end of his term, I think it's a little over 50 at this point, uh, because of that and because a lot of people just trust and believe everything that Obama, I mean, you have you have those people who are just totally Obama's God, basically. And but he, it doesn't matter what he says, what he does, he'll say vote for Hillary. Hillary can say I don't care about those black people, and if, if and if and if Donald Trump or Barack Obama says I'll disregard that, vote for Hillary because of me, because because of Barack Obama, vote for me, Hillary. They'll vote for her, and basically that's and it's sad. Uh, you know, because mm-hmm. people don't really have an opinion of their own, uh, unfortunately, in, in that regard. But 
It will. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we got, we got uh, 20 minutes to get past a lot of stuff, but it, it'll be interesting though. It, it'll really be interesting. And, um, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll bring you back on the show to talk more as the, as the weeks progress, as far as, uh, Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Anytime, Chris. Yes, the political stuff. hopefully scope. next time I won't get uh, stuck out so late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem at all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so let's uh, – we're going to condense everything just like we do our, our normal structure. We'll get to headlines, so here we go. All right, so we'll start off with uh, Ryback endeavoring an MMA career, uh, possibly with uh, Bellator. Um, uh, very, very interesting stuff. Um, uh, <laughs> I really don't know how that. Um, that's really, that's really interesting. I, I really don't know Ryback's. Important uh, in doing this. That's that's just doesn't make sense at all. I just I found it important uh, to 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 talk about, uh, but at the same time, um, yeah, it, it, I think he's kind of grasping for straws at this time. All right, next we have uh, Brock Lesnar defeat uh, Brandy Orton uh, in, on this uh, Chicago event. Uh, I think the ma- I heard the match was like a little over six minutes long. Um, again, you know, I, I understand why, um, I, I understand why, uh, they're doing this and, and, you know, there's been a lot of reports of, of, of what's going on. Um, but at the same time, at least the Chicago crowd, um, <laughs> Uh, at least the Chicago crowd, you know, got a, 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 a an exciting, you know, uh, house show, um, and you know, uh, at least, um, at least the Chicago crowd can say that, and you know, they had a good job, um, and that's and that's it. Uh, so basically, that's you know, I don't know what we'll see Brock Lesnar again. Um, Probably Royal Rumble time. You know they're they're teasing him and Shane. Uh, Shane kind of you know, he, kind of, he kind of said something about him. Um, the you know the, probably a week or two after the F five uh, at SummerSlam, and then that's it. I I, I what well, I really again you know I like Shane and Brock. I like that on paper, uh, but at the same time. I really don't want uh, to see Shane versus Brock at WrestleMania. All right, so uh, I'm gonna pull in Todd about this uh, about this one here. So Todd, the WWE is interested in broken Matt Hardy. So, what are your thoughts on that? Now, broken Matt Hardy is one of the best gimmicks in all professional wrestling right now and of course WWE wants to capitalize on that and put their stamp on it but the problem is he he certainly won't have 
the creative control and, and, and just really the, 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 the open canvas to think about fun and exciting things or the budget, even that to, to really maximize the broken Matt Hardy character in the WWE as much. If, if, if Matt Hardy seems like a good business guy, he's always done very well in the Indies after his WWE career. Is it just a matter of, you know, WWE realizing like this is something good. Let's let's grab it, you know, because it's good and it's not ours. If if Matt Hardy and it seems like he's a smart business guy, he won't he won't go nowhere near WWE. Well, brother Christopher, I think it'd be mop. No, I, I there's what would they do? They're gonna they're, they would put him into a program with the Wyatts, right? It's the only logical thing they could do. Unless he just kind of wanders out and, you know, with his broken gimmick. You know, yeah. I, I'm trying to, because when, when I start reading that they're interested, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to picture how they would book it. You know, if they do the Wyatt thing, well, they're already telling that story with Decay. Right. They're not the, it's not going to be a fresh story if he comes to WWE. It's going to be the same story, a rehash. And people are going to know that. And, then, and I think that story is going to bomb. And yeah. there's no other real good stable right now in WWE, and, and I think something that Broken Hardy's going, it almost has to work with a stable. You know, okay, so you, you put them with New Day? Well, they've already told that story with <laughs> New Day and the Wyatts. Yeah. Okay, so that I, I that's agree. not going to work. I mean, it, there, there's just no... I think it's truly WWE sees... Matt Hardy doing something on his own that they wish they would have thought of. And let's let's be honest, when he first started doing this, we all thought it was stupid. I mean, let's mm. let's be honest, we all thought it was stupid until <laughs> it just he it, he did it constantly. He always you don't see him anywhere not in gimmick. He shows up right. he shows up for indie shows and he's doing the gimmick. He shows up for Y2J's podcast. In mm-hmm. in character, and it and it he doesn't break the character, and that's what makes it so interesting. And that's what took it from this ludicrous B movie schlock to genius level <laughs> creative booking. And you're right; oh, yeah. if he goes to WWE, the only I think the only person that I think would truly get it and just let him go on his own. Even though Triple H has final approval, is is um oh shoot, ROH Zombie Princess Jimmy Jacobs. Thank you. He's mm-hmm. the only one I think to truly get it and say no. You just just let Matt do do this. Just, mm-hmm. We just give him opponents, and, but I don't know that you know anyone has the swing to really let him have that creative freedom. You're right. It would mm-hmm. it would it would flop in WWE. It just would. Sure as would. much as I would love to see that on Monday Night Raw, and, and I would mark out. And then we would show up at work the next day still marking out over it. But then a week later, we'd be like, okay, well, he's going to lose. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to lose this match and this match. And basically, this would be his character in the WWE. Obsolete. It would be obsolete, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> and this is and this is what he would want to do with his WWE career. Delete! 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 
delete. Yes. Delete. All right. So, so basically, uh, uh, there's a couple other uh, things. Emma being frustrated, she's not returning. Shooters Club stable. Uh, we don't have much time to talk about those. One thing I do want to talk about, and I'll and I'll talk about this at the end, uh, but I do want to mention it now. Uh, Rick, my, my my boy, my buddy Rico Constantino is having some declining health yeah. issues and. Uh, you know, uh, he's having some heart issues, uh, some, some really bad heart issues and, and, uh, blood clots. And I actually spoke with him on the phone today and, and through text. Uh, and, uh, he's got a doctor's visit tomorrow and just, uh, you know, just keep, just keeping in our prayers. Uh, I started a GoFundMe campaign for him last week. Chris Jericho donated $3,000 and I just saw that there was a hundred dollar donation today and I gave some money as well. And, you know, it, it's just <laughs> excuse me. If you if you can, just go to GoFundMe dot com uh, slash Rico Constantino, and please, if you get a if you have a dollar, if you have five dollars, if you have ten dollars, please give to the uh, medical bills fund for for Rico Constantino. It's just you know, it's really sad to see someone. And, you know, here's the thing: I, I've interviewed over fifty people on my show, and by far, I, I'm still close to a few people: uh, Greg Gagne, JTG, uh, uh, Tyler Rex. Um, but yeah, uh, Christopher Daniels actually just uh, texted. Uh, we actually just uh, spoke uh, a few days ago. But yeah, but 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 Rico was just one of the nicest guys that I've ever interviewed. Uh, period, or one of the one of the most genuine nicest guys wrestler wrestlers that I've I've ever met. Um. I ever spoke to, and you know, it's just great to have someone, a former, you know, two-time WWE Tag Team Champion, uh, defeated Ric Flair. <laughs> no, and again, again, a lot of people say that, um, but it, you know, I just uh, can't do that. Uh, another plug I want to do: my, uh, Sean Davari uh, sent me an email uh, last night. I think it was last night or uh, two nights ago. Um, he wanted me to plug uh, the fact that him and Ken Anderson are starting a a school. Uh, they're starting a, a training facility in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, so I, I wrote an article about it on Sports Kita. Uh, so if you go to sportskeeda.com, sports, K E E D A, sportskeeda.com, uh, slash WWE, you will see the press release that uh, Sean Davari <clears throat> sent me uh, about his new training school with uh, Ken Anderson opening up in November. All right, so let's real quick, let's get to the Class of the Champions uh, takeaways. Uh, real quick, we, we had uh, Nia Jax defeating Alicia Fox, New Day defeating Gals and Anderson, TJ Perkins defeating Brian, uh, Brian Kendrick, a uh, heel turn from, from Kendrick after that, Cesaro beating Sheamus. Actually, no contest, the match was forced to stop in that crazy dive that he he did, which was pointless, and I wrote about that on the Inquisitor today. Um, Jericho defeating Sami Zayn, Charlotte defeating Bailey and Sasha Banks, Roman Reigns becoming the new U.S. champ, and then uh, Kevin Owens defeating Seth Rollins. What are your takeaways from from uh, Class of Champions? Uh, to me, Class of Champions just felt like an overblown episode of Raw. Hmm. You know, to me, I, I, I'm not even give it pay-per-view status. A network special should mm-hmm. feel special, yeah. and it didn't. 
you know, it, it felt like because they're because of the the non finishes because of the you know as soon as they mentioned the date for New Day, I'm like, okay, New Day is winning this. Um, none of it felt like the only the only match that really kind of got me a little hyped up was in fact the, the ladies the women's match, which as you know, I'm not a huge women's wrestling fan, but it was it was a good match. Mm-hmm. And then the and surprisingly the Cesaro Sheamus match because it was just so it felt brutal, like you mm-hmm. guys slugging it out. The rest of it was like, what? What's, I'm going to see these same matches tomorrow night on Raw. Right. So to me, it just didn't we, feel special. We did see two of those matches. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I think it was better than SmackDowns, and I, I usually think SmackDowns a better brand every every week, just because I think Raw has just been atrocious. Uh, but I think Raw's pay per view was better than SmackDowns. SmackDown really sound. I mean, it really seemed like a, just an inflated, you know, Tuesday night episode to me because it it didn't even last three hours. So that's that got me uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it was, you know, I think the matches were decent. I think the New Day Gallows and Anderson match was pretty good. I think the, the, the matches were, were I mean, it was, there was, it was a solid pay-per-view to me. Just no wow factors. And I'm starting, you know, the problem is I'm starting to think that these, these, you know, overloaded, oversaturated pay-per-views are just continuing to dilute and diminish the product more and more and more. Speaking of that, you know, WWE Raw was against the debate in Monday Night Football. The money, uh, the, the debate was projected. It projected a hundred million. Uh, I saw around that it got about eighty-one million, uh, which is still a phenomenal number. So, and you know, the lowest audience in Raw ever. Uh, I wrote a, I wrote an article about it on the Inquisitor saying that it's, uh, it, it well, we're going to see record low numbers. Uh, and that's exactly what we saw with Raw. And Raw had that <laughs> mentality of uh, uh, so what, <laughs> and, and that's unfortunate for their for their fan base. I mean, if if there's five people watching Raw, you better give those five people the best Raw you possibly can. And the very fact that they don't have that mentality is the reason why they're continuing to lose viewers. And, and if you ask me, knowing that you're going to something that that you're your back's against the wall, and people are going to want to click into these other things. Why not start raw, or at least go head towards that nine o'clock hour with something that people, are, you know, that people are going to be, you know, tweeting out, dude, switch mm-hmm. to raw right now. You you were not going to believe what's going on on raw right now. Right. You know, halfway through the debate, because I decided I was going to watch the debate and then watch raw afterwards on on DVR. Halfway through the debate, I decided this is such a train wreck. I just can't watch it. And then I was treated to a 30-minute Rusev-Roman Reigns match that ends in a double countout. I was like, so I switched to Gotham and watched that instead. (laughs) (laughs) And I finished watching Raw afterwards. It's like, you're right. Raw just said, you know what? We're not going to get any viewers. Let's just give up. We'll just, yeah, Yeah. whatever. And that's sad too, because like I said, I wrote in the article. We have a few minutes left. But I wrote, like I said, I wrote in an article that 
it should have been, you know, like an, an Eric Bischoff style decision. Like, hey, we're going to have some mega main events that could have, you know, headlined Starcade on this mm-hmm. Raw. You know, yeah, of course, we all know Hogan and Goldberg uh, in Atlanta, you know, headline the show. And Bischoff just <laughs> went it all to the wall. And that's basically what he did. <laughs> and, and I was, you know, a lot of people criticize him about it. As a fan, I enjoyed it. I understand, you know, he most likely lost a lot of money, but we're still talking about it, you know, uh, what, 18 years later. So, and, and so that's the thing. It could have, it could have done that. You could have said, Hey, Triple H, I'm, Triple H is coming tonight. He's going to uh, have, have a match against whomever. You know what I mean? Triple H is coming in, you know, that, that could have, that could have been the, 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 the storyline and they dropped the ball. Uh, with SmackDown again, just n- nothing, nothing much. Um, I, I usually, you know, tell about SmackDown, but this week, um, yeah, it, it was, it was weak as well, unfortunately. Um, Matches were decent. Again, the matches were were okay. You know, I did like the running Orton Wyatt thing going on throughout the day. I mean, throughout the show, that that was good. You know, they they did a pretty good job building them up as far as um, as far as their feud, which is which is good. So Wyatt can lose on the next pay per view as usual. <laughs> Unfortunately, I hope I hope he doesn't. I, I really hope that he uh, Orton puts him over. Um, especially since uh, Kane, you know, since why I put Kane over at, at SummerSlam, especially since that. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right. So real quick, flavor of the week. It is now time for the flavor of the week. Right, so for the sake of time, again, we're going to do the top five. Um, that that was compiled. Patriotic gimmicks. Number five was Kurt Angle. Of course, you know, the Olympic gold medalist. Uh he actually was uh he actually was uh pivotal in bringing back uh uh pro uh, uh mat wrestling uh to, to the Olympics. Uh, they decided to take it away. That was that was stupid. Uh number four, the Patriot Del Wilkes. I, I had the pleasure of interviewing him on my show. Um, of course, he, the Patriot gimmick was uh, way over. Uh, number three, Sergeant Slaughter. Of course, um, he was so patriotic that when he turned, it was one of the, the most notorious turns of all time. Uh, number two was Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, one of the most patriotic, uh, one of the best, most consistent babyface characters that WWE has ever had. And number one, of course. Hey-o. Yeah, that's right. Uh, number one, Hulk Hogan, of course, you know, uh, he's the real American. So uh just wanted to give some patriotic character some love, uh, you know, in, in, in the, the, the presidential debate season. So Todd will be back on the show uh, before November. We'll we'll uh, talk more. We'll talk more debates as, uh, as it gets uh, heated up here. Um, we'll, we'll spend some lengthy time. We'll spend some more time uh, in length. Uh, throughout the show, talking about the debates as well. Uh, Todd, plug your show, man. Yes. Plug my show. 
you guys can uh, check us out. Uh, we're on. We are off the ropes. Uh, we're a wrestling-ish podcast. We like to say um, we talk about mostly wrestling. A uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little comics, little movies, little whatever's uh, catching our minds this week. I uh, will warn you, however, uh, because I know uh, your show is a family-friendly show. We're more of a PG-13 show. Little little curse words do slip in from time to time. I just want to be up front, so know that. Uh, you can find us at the Nerdy Legion under Off The Ropes Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Bike Todd, um, where you'll see a constant stream of wrestling, comics, and political humor. That's about awesome. it for my plug. Sounds good, man. Thanks for uh, being on the show tonight. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right, have a good night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 235 episodes in the books. Once again, thank you to Dr. Tom Pritchard for being such an amazing guest on the show tonight. Once again, I want to plug Rico Constantino GoFundMe. GoFundMe.com slash Rico Constantino. Anything you can give uh, to help the man with uh, medical bills and ongoing expenses. Uh, it, it'll be great. You guys have been doing a fantastic job, and it just really, uh, just really warms my heart of uh, how unified the pro wrestling community can be. Follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling, and of course, go to the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. Go to the Crave Wrestling Facebook page for all things wrestling. Two hundred thirty-five episodes in the books. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Pancakes and Power Slam show. I am Chris Featherstone. And until next week, God bless. Have a great night. And we will see you on the other side. God bless. <laughs>